that's the point of restaurants is, you know, you, you bring people together, it's a meeting point, but it's also, you know, it's an event. I, I love just restaurants full stop. I love eating out. I do, <laughs> uh, to my and my partner's detriment, financial detriment, we eat out a lot. <laughs> and that's, that's just what I love. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. In the past, hotel dining in Australia was seen as second tier to standalone restaurants. But over the years, great operators have challenged the myth with incredible offerings. But what are the challenges and benefits of running a restaurant as part of a hotel? Reese Connell is the new head chef of The Gantry at Pier 1, Sydney. Reese, how are you? Good, thanks, Anthony. How are you? I'm good. You've got an exciting new role uh, in Sydney. How did how did the gig come about? Um, so last year, uh, I just finished working at Society um, in Melbourne. I kind of started looking abroad, and I always knew I kind of wanted to come back to Sydney. Uh, and then just through a few different avenues, I got contacted about the role because uh, Tom had left the gantry. So uh, I came down. Uh, at first, I was a little bit hesitant because it was a hotel, and um, I I didn't really know what I was what I was getting into at the time. So I kind of I came down. I did a did a few days trial stay in the hotel, and um, I was just really impressed by the bones of the hotel and the restaurant. Um, and uh, yeah, accepted the position and started in January. It's an interesting hesitancy, isn't it, in perception of of hotel restaurants? Do Do you think that 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 has has changed or is changing? Um. Uh, yeah, look, I think I think that's something that we need to, as a dining public in Australia, change. Um, and like, you know, you spend time in Europe. The best restaurants in Europe, especially in France and, you know, in Paris, are inside of hotels. So I think they're onto something, obviously. And I, I guess that's kind of something we're just waiting to catch up on here. You, you mentioned that you were really impressed with the bones when you first sort of uh, got the opportunity to explore the opportunity. Tell, tell us about um, what impressed you about the gantry and the operations there. Well, being inside the Pier 1 Hotel, um, it's a lifestyle hotel and it's directly underneath the Harbour Bridge. Um, so, you know, the first first thing was the location and just how beautiful. <laughs> like it's on, on Sydney, it's in Sydney Harbour really. So that was the first thing that impressed me. But also the area, Dawes Point, um, it's an arts district um, and it's really insulated from Sydney as a whole, I think, because, you know, you're five minutes from Circular Quay, but you're also five minutes from Barangaroo, but it feels like you're nowhere in the city. Um, so actually arriving there and spending time in that in that area, I felt, uh, and talking to locals as well, people just kind of said, you know, we, we're craving a restaurant um, like the gantry, like what we're trying to produce now. Um, and I thought, you know, that's something coming from Melbourne. Um, I thought that's something that I can do here. And I thought, this is this is what I want to do as well. I want to explore what you are doing there and how you're expressing sort of your vision on a plate. Um, but take me back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family? Um, so my family, I uh, grew up in Newcastle. Um, and uh, I've got two brothers, um, and both my parents. We they they owned a small business, so um, they originally started the small business so they could uh, have free time and spend a lot of time with us growing up as young adults. Um, but it kind of had a the opposite effect. They spent a lot of time 
working on the business and keeping it afloat. Um, <clears throat> so it kind of had uh, – it was great because we got to see our parents a lot, but um, it meant that they weren't there for a lot of the sort of cooking and whatnot. So um, being the oldest brother, I – I took on a lot of cooking in the afternoons for my brothers and, you know, I kind of got interested in food through watching um, like daytime cooking TV, you know, your Huey, Huey's, your Ready Steady Cook. Those, that was sort of my first look at food. But like, when I think about it, my parents, uh, they used to take us to restaurants. So I'd been dining in restaurants my whole entire life. My parents' friends were all hospitality owners and pure restaurant people. Um, Extended family were chefs. Even my dad had a crack at being a chef before he became a postman and before they opened their business. So I was always, I was always kind of heading in a hospitality direction. Um, I always knew I wanted to do something that used my hands primarily. So it was either going to be um, an artist or something, you know, something like that. Uh, but yeah, that that was the that was sort of my first interaction with food. But um, I picked it up as a hospitality course in high school and I had a really, really good teacher, uh, Carly Boyle. She, she put a lot of, um, emphasis on me being in the kitchen. And, uh, I think she, she realized she saw it before I did that I was going to be a chef. Um, and she pushed me in that direction. And, uh, I was still at school playing football with my mates. Uh, and she, she kind of, yeah, she had had it in the back of her head that, I think Reese is a chef and uh, she, yeah, she signed me up to absolutely everything cooking. Uh, she sent me to Sydney to do a week's, uh, week's intensive course on cooking when I was in year 12. Um, and I, I, as soon as I put a chef jacket on, I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do too. Where did you start your career? Do you have any stories of the first couple of years in a commercial kitchen? The first couple of years in a commercial kitchen were um, – I started at a restaurant in Newcastle uh, called Dimitri's, which is a small family-run restaurant when I was uh, I was in year 11 and I was just working there after school. But um, Dimitri was the owner and he just put a lot of emphasis on me cooking pasta and things. And it was very, very simple. It wasn't, wasn't handmade pastas or anything like that. It was just putting ingredients together. Um, I was there for maybe about six months and then uh, I started I did work experience at the Crown Hotel in Newcastle and they said to me there, we'd be happy to take you on just a few nights a week as well. So I started working there, but it wasn't really until 2009 when I met uh, Tim Montgomery. Uh, He was the head chef at Bacchus. He just started the week that I walked into the kitchen. Um, And that was, that was part of uh, school placement. Uh, And he, yeah, like it seemed to be a bit of a reoccurring thing where people were like, I think that you, you know, you really, you do really well at this. Um, and he was, he was one of the people that was like, right, you got to stay with us. Um, you've got to work in my kitchen. He like originally he employed me as sort of, I was doing desserts, but also washing dishes at the same time. And then, um, and then he was like, right, it's time to be, time to be an apprentice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I signed up as an apprentice the day after Australia Day, 2010, after we'd finished high school. And it was kind of at a point in my life where I was like, do I go to university or do I stay in the kitchen? And I was weighing up a lot of things. Um, And my partner, Emma, who I've been with since high school, she was there at the time and she kind of just said as well, she was like, you know, um, you've really come alive when you're in the kitchen. And I felt 
I, I felt really, really drawn to everything going on in the kitchen, whether it was the sort of the relationships I had in the kitchen or it was the actual work. I was just taking so much pride from the work that I was able to produce. So, yeah, from from that moment, I was like, right, I signed my apprenticeship and I was heads down. What did you take from your time with Timothy Montgomery? Um, Tim taught me how to cook. Tim taught me how to be a cook. Uh, I like the amount of times that he, he went through, like just he was very flavor-based and all of his food is like really big based in flavor. Um, and uh, it was a really small kitchen, so you had nowhere to hide. You, you had to do everything. You couldn't, um, you know, I had my wisdom teeth out one day and I felt a need that I had to be at work the day after I had my wisdom teeth out. <laughs> um, and I just, I was in the kitchen just going down. He's just looking at me like, you're a complete idiot. Get out of here. Like, what are you doing? But I think that was kind of, that was kind of the thing where he, you know, he always, he always put this emphasis on having a responsibility in the kitchen um, having a responsibility to represent the food that you had and make it really, really delicious. So he, he taught me how to be a cook, definitely. Um, and, you know, uh, the people that came through that kitchen, I think, can say the exact same thing. You know, that he had some really, really great chefs go through back us that are running venues in Sydney and Melbourne, all across Australia. And I think, um, you know, he eventually he left fine dining and he's opened a burger shop now. And I think that's the perfect way to really, really make flavor a thing in your, in your life is to, you know, have something that is so accessible like that, but also he's been so successful with it. So yeah, I think for him, that's it. You spent a lot of your career in Sydney as well. What led to that move? Yes. So I, uh, so it was about middle of middle of 2010. I, uh, started to look at moving to Sydney. So my partner, she was moving to Sydney um, when she finished uni. So we looked at, uh, you know, it was either overseas or Sydney and coming from Newcastle, uh, you either go to London to work at the Ledbury or you you go to Sydney. That was kind of very hip at the time to do that. So uh, I'd been in a few cooking competitions at the time. I'd met a lot of chefs from Sydney and uh, came down and I, I trialed everywhere. So I think... Early on, I, I realized, you know, Tim had taught me how to be a cook. The next thing I needed to learn was how to be a chef. So I started looking at restaurants that um, that I thought, you know, they had bigger brigades. It was more focused on, um, you know, the actual art of being a chef. And I thought the thing that I needed, and I determined this really on in my career, was I needed to take things from the chefs that I worked for. So I determined I wanted to work for a chef owner. That was the thing that I had to do next. Coming from Bacchus, I needed to look for a chef owner. So I went, went trialed in all of the best restaurants in Sydney at that time. And uh, I, I had a friend working at Sepia and he kind of got me in the back door. Um, and it was the, it was the one stage that I had real no, I had real no expectations for because I just didn't think I was going to get a job there. Um, and even the first day I kind of walked in and, Everyone sort of was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Welcome to Sevia. That was kind of it. And even Martin was like, I'd, first time I met Martin, I was like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Reese. And he's like, yeah, I know you are. And she went and kept walking. He was too busy. But um, <laughs> I think I, look, I looked at the, the restaurants that I was working in. The one thing that was different about Sepia was um, Martin and Vicky were the owners, like, as well as having um, the Costis with them. But they were the owners and they were there every day. 
And I think in my first week that I was there, I saw Martin do every section, <laughs> including washing dishes and things. And, I, you know, he doesn't spruik doing that, but he was really involved in his business. And I was like, that's who I need to spend time with now. Take us into that kitchen. Like, Sepia's influence is incredible on the culinary landscape. But what was it like when you got the gig there and working in that kitchen? So <clears throat> I started working at Sepia uh, in November uh, 2012, I think. Uh, actually, yeah, it would have been first month, first week of November 2012. I got there. They they had the three hats. Uh, I think they had just won Restaurant of the Year, maybe, or maybe it was the year after. I can't remember. But I, I was there for six years, so I got lots of stories, and they're based around the people who came through the restaurant. Um, in terms of like some of my favourite memories of CPR, I think. You know, we we got to do a lot of things that I never dreamed of doing in my career. I mean, we the people that we cooked for, the actual experiences that we gave people are the things that made it really special for me. Um, but also, you know, I had some highlights where we, we cooked for the world's 50 best chefs in Melbourne. Um, we, you know, we looked at, we, we were named one of the world's best restaurants, um, we were named the one to watch. I mean, you know, being part of that team was just absolutely incredible. And then I think in about 2016, I moved up to the role of junior Sue. So that was the next thing where it was like, uh, Martin really focused on turning me into a chef and teaching me, um, you know, teaching me how to look after the people that are in your kitchen. Um, and, uh, I think also push them because, you know, everyone, everyone, that sepia was so competitive um, and that was that was something that made us really, really good. And, you know, I, I think back of some of the times that we had where we had staff meal competitions, people would cook like they'd never cooked before <laughs> just, to, just to get staff meal out. And um, it, was, it, it was all about impressing each other as well as impressing the guests. And I think that's where, you know, we, we were all there. We were all there working in unison to to produce the best restaurant that we possibly could. And I think, you know, that kind of, that was a moment in time. And I miss, I miss Sepia a lot. I think it was a great restaurant. Martin Ben is known for really pushing the realms of gastronomy. Do, do you have any um, stories of dishes or techniques that um, you remember from that time that sort of really surprised you? Yeah. I mean, something that Martin did, uh, was the uh, we did a squid dish, and I remember him explaining to me when it wouldn't have been the first time, but it would have been one of the first times we that I was I was actually cooking the fish section, and he kind of said to me, you know, we've got um, a dish here that it, it kind of goes against the rules of what you are meant to do in cooking. You're meant to cook squid really quickly and really hot. You know, that's what the general consensus is for this, uh, but the dish that he did, he cooked it for a long period and at a really low temperature. And it was all because he wanted to affect the texture of the squid. Um, and I think that was something that he did really, really well was the, like his texture and temperature play is insane. Um, but, but it also was like a visual representation of the squid. It was still in this tube. And I mean, that technique was something that uh, we, we always sort of came back to talking about that like with other chefs as well, where it was like, oh, you know, um, there was so much more to his cuisine than just what he was putting on the plate. Um, and I think that's what he trained chefs in 
really, really well was teaching them to think. I mean, not think completely outside the box. Don't go crazy because his flavors are very, very based in traditional flavors. But it was more about just just think, be very, very considerate of what you're doing with your food. So that was something really good that I took from Martin. You um, followed Martin and uh, Vicky Wild to uh, Melbourne uh, to open a new restaurant. What was that decision like for you to to make that move and change cities for a new project like that? Yeah, I uh, I made the decision. So we there was an announcement in the paper two years before uh, we closed that we were closing. So there was always kind of this thing in the back of my mind. All right, so CP is going to end. What's the next move? Um, I. You know, I looked, I again, looked abroad. I looked at doing my own thing and I kind of talked with the, all the chefs that I knew and um, they they were kind of in a similar boat. Everyone wanted, like, the chefs at my age were, it was that time where you either take a head chef role, you open your own restaurant or you do something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, Martin, uh, Martin, I'd spent so much time working under Martin. I thought, um, right, this is the perfect opportunity to, um, you know, take a step up because it wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily my name it was my I was working under Martin um, and obviously Chris Lucas and uh, at, at first the opportunity was completely different to what society is now um, and I, I jumped at it originally and I thought okay great um, I'm young uh, I can go to Melbourne if you know, I do a few years working in this restaurant. We open it up. I learned how to open the restaurant, which was something that I'd already earmarked as something that I wanted to do, was to be part of a restaurant open after learning how to, you know, be a chef with Martin. And then um, I thought, okay, this is it. This is the perfect opportunity to take. Uh, that was, I think it was 2016 when I accepted the job to be the head chef at the new restaurant. We didn't close until December 15, 2018. So it was a, it was quite a quite actually a long and involved process, but I mean that's that's what that's what was so interesting about it was being there from the very beginning. So seeing the kitchen be designed, seeing a menu conception come to life, um, seeing the hiring processes. I mean, just the actual just opening a restaurant is amazing to watch. <laughs> uh, like it's it's painful. It's very hard when you're in it. But uh, the just just seeing something start from some an idea or just a chat, that was something that I really wanted to be a part of, and it was very special to be a part of that opening with society. Society had so many hurdles, like so many restaurants, and uh, had opening dates that got moved and moved and pushed, and COVID affected everything. But you also left not long after it opened. What was it like letting go of something that you'd been part of for so long? Yeah, I um, oh, I was very shattered at the time. I was in two minds. I think um, I, I think I'd gotten what I, what I'd first set out to get from society. You know, that was opening a restaurant and seeing the process of opening a restaurant. Um, I learned so much more than I thought I was going to learn. I mean, being it was a t- even yeah. So I moved to Melbourne, uh, twenty nineteen, and we didn't open until. Uh, middle of last year so that actual whole process just because we had COVID setbacks construction setbacks meant that um, I worked a lot in the Lucas groups other venues um, but I also worked a lot in the business of the Lucas group Um, and that's that was something that was really really eye-opening to see was how 
the, the just how how much thought goes into the operation of their their restaurants um, and how much is behind it. It's it's a like it's a business. It's a real business, and that's what I thought was um, you know incredible. And you know to work with someone like Chris. I mean, the first time I did a walkthrough um, at the Lucas Group, I remember they before I before I accepted the job, I did a walk around all their venues and so you could understand what the group was. And I remember being in the office thinking, you know, I'd spent my whole career to this point wanting to be a chef like, you know, Martin or like some of these great other chefs in Australia. And I, I remember standing there thinking, I don't know if I want to be a chef. I think I want to be like Chris Lucas. Like he seems to, he seems to have gotten it down pat with all this business and everything else. And I thought, you know, the, the infrastructure behind the restaurants is, like it's unbelievable, really. It's unbelievable, and the amount of thought that goes into the marketing and the just the whole experience is is insane. And you know, I didn't I didn't think I was going to learn that when I left uh, and moved to Melbourne. But um, the things that I saw there, I mean, they're going to affect the decisions that I make from from here on. Like, I mean, the things that I learned in that environment were insane. You spent a lot of time with Vicky Wilde and, and Martin Ben, wanting to sort of immerse yourself in the world of owner operators. What, what, what is the secret behind their success that, that you've seen and what did you take from your experiences with them? The secret to their success is I still, I wish I knew that. That's the, I wish I knew what it was. <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess one thing is they, they just never, they never stop. They never ever stop, and I like. I love I love that about the both of them. You know, you when when you're with them, they're constantly on. Uh, I think that's that's what they their whole life is about restaurants, not so much about everything else that comes with it, but it's about restaurants. And I think that that was the that was the thing that I I, I love restaurants. I, I absolutely love restaurants, and that's where I want to be. And I think um, their whole life being about restaurants was that was that was it. That was the people that I wanted to be around. And um, you know, they make a lot of big decisions. They make things that I guess uh, it was a very important restaurant CPA in terms of like the Sydney landscape at that time. Um, and I think for them, you know, the secret the secret of that was you know the people that they had under them. And you know, being a being an owner operator, being in your business every day, you spend that time with the people, so you know what's affecting them. And I guess that's that's something that I, I guess was something that I took was you need to you need to have a focus on the people that are around you. You need to pick well, um, you need to train well, which is the the big thing. Um, but it's also just time because you can't buy the time. You need to invest it, um, and that's what. Being an owner operator, sometimes you don't have the choice, but you you have to be there in your business. You don't have a choice. Tell me about the gantry. Uh, what's it been like, sort of being able to express your voice on the plate um, as a head chef and and creating a menu for for a venue um, in the in a hotel? So yeah, this is uh, my first gig by myself. So it was um, it was daunting to say the least. I mean. The first I had a I had a month of quiet when I first arrived and we didn't announce anything until February. So it was good to just uh, settle in, see it for what it was. 
um, understand what, what we were producing at the time and what we needed to produce. Um, uh, I think hotel, hotel restaurants are very, very different to the restaurant world that I'd been in up until this point. Um, you know, you have, you don't have, you have certain obligations where you, you aren't just producing food for uh, one meal. You, you know, you're open for breakfast, you're open for lunch. Um, you have all different skill levels in the kitchen with you. Um, and also you have people who don't necessarily want to be in restaurants. They've taken a job because this is their, you know, this is a livelihood, not a passion for them. So I think that was the interesting thing to see, you know, in terms of a hotel restaurant. But the thing that's really important for me is like I, I needed I, while while COVID was going on, a lot of my a lot of my life was affected obviously because we couldn't open restaurants and being in restaurants, you know, you don't it, it wasn't about doing takeaway or anything like that. It was something that we wanted to produce in a place. Um, that you could come to and you could have a full experience. So I, I steered away from doing takeaway and I steered away from doing all those sorts of things and just try, tried to work on work on my craft as a chef. But, um, I mean, looking at looking at a hotel, this was kind of proving uh, COVID-proofing my life a little bit. Um, you know, this, this is not something that you can just – you can't you, – you have to be available for whatever is thrown at you and it's 24-7. You know, it's not it's not just a set period, and I think that's the the really interesting thing. And it's the swings in roundabouts. I guess you you don't necessarily have to make your entire meal off one table. You know, you've got your whole day where you can um, have different programs throughout the hotel to um, you know feed people. But then I think the special thing there is then we can afford to do something like the gantry where we can. We can use the best produce. We can work with suppliers and we can invest a lot of time in projects that are going to take a long time that don't necessarily come to fruition straight away. Um, but we, we have the support of the hotel. So that's that's kind of the special thing of being in a hotel for me was all of those those processes that you have. Tell me about your cooking and where you're at. Do you have a dish or two on the menu at the moment that sort of speaks of, of sort of where you're at? At the moment, I'm I'm kind of actually finding my feet as a as a young chef. To be real, I don't I don't think um, you know when you come directly out of working for a chef, you know exactly who you are yet. Uh, and it's a question that I got asked years ago. I was in a an essay competition for like young chefs, and I remember some of the judges asked me, "They're like, how would you define your cuisine?" I I was completely stumped at the time because I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm cooking, I'm cooking someone else's food. So I couldn't even define it even if I wanted to. And I thought about that question for ages. And the next year it came around again, I wrote another essay and I um, uh, was sitting in the meeting and the same person asked me the same qu- uh, question again, where she said to me, like, you know, how would you define your cuisine? But then the next thing was she said, if you could define your cuisine, would that be what's produced on the plate? And that was the next thing that rattled me. And I was like, okay, um, so I, I guess those two things have been they've been bouncing around my head for years now. So coming into this, I was like, how do I define my cuisine and what am I actually going to do on the plate? Um, and I, the, the answer that I've kind of landed on at the moment is I'm, I'm re- representing everyone who I've worked with and worked for for the past 
for my whole entire career. So that's how I'm going to define myself at the moment as a chef is to, is to really, really sort of, I don't know, put, put the chefs that I've worked for on a pedestal and really, really look like, you know, present their ideal, their ideal cooking methods or their ideal flavor combinations and, um, but present them with something that means something to me or the place that we're in. So something that we've been working on a lot lately is um, a tuna dish. So I think in my time at CPA, the tuna probably wasn't – tuna was on the menu every single menu, I think, for oh, maybe one or two times it came off. But it was always on the menu. So something that Martin said to me before we left society was, you know, you need to create a balanced menu. You need to have items on there that are – that are going to be interesting, but also things that you want to play with. And for me, it was like, okay, I look at how we've done things in the past and I thought, okay, I'm going to put tuna on there. I can't put tuna on how Martin would. So I uh, thought, okay, how do we do it? And I remember some of my favorite things to eat at the start of meals. Like I traveled through Europe extensively and one of my favorite things was like a caprese salad. So like the tomato, the amazing burrata or the mozzarella and basil and all those sort of fresh herbaceous flavors, the acidity coming through. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do something that's tuna orientated with tomatoes because I really love that combination and I'm going to do it so I can emulate the texture of the burrata, which is something, you know, that I'd learned at sepia. And then I thought about something that I'd learned under Tim at Bacchus and I was like, okay, I need to think of the flavor and how we'd put it together. And I, uh, that's that's that sort of dish that came from it. But then I really wanted to honor sort of the Japanese techniques that I learned. So, um, and also present a different sort of dining style. So we we serve the tuna with almost a side salad of pickled Japanese cucumbers, so that it is kind of a it's a tuna salad, really, what it is. But um, it's presented very modern and thoughtfully and considered. But I think that's a reflection of everything that I've learned to this point in my career. But it also shows where I'm trying to go now. What surprised you about the the role that you've taken on in in the hotel? Um, I wouldn't say I'm surprised by it, but I feel I feel really taken aback by um, how many how many people have sort of come and said we've been waiting for you to do something for years, and you know I've got I've got a great network of chefs that I've worked with for years. Um, uh, like my best friends are chefs. Uh, so, you know, and they've all kind of done things. They've all done things for themselves over the years. And I, I never really, uh, I never thought of wanting to be at the front of a restaurant. You know, I always enjoyed working under Martin or Tim or anyone that I'd worked for. And I think the one thing that, um, I was, yeah, I, I couldn't believe was the amount of support and the amount of love that I received as soon as I said I was taking this job. Um, and I think that's the other thing, you know, going going and doing something like uh, a hotel restaurant, um, people are like, this is going to be a really big job. Um, and, you know, the day that I was announced as taking this role, a lot of the sort of, a lot of the producers that I'd worked with in my time in Melbourne or Sydney, everyone started to come out of the woodwork and get in contact and they're like, um, you know, we loved working with you in the past. Let's let's do this now. It's now your name on the door, so let's let's go for it. And I think that's been the thing that I've been really, really amazed at is just people have literally come from everywhere to, to be a part of this. And, you know, it's taken a village to get the gantry to where it is now. And I think it's going to take even more people to get it where we want it to go. But um, 
yeah, that's that's something that I've been really amazed by. What do you love about what you do? I love I, I love restaurants. I just love restaurants so much. I love going and eating out in a restaurant. One of my favorite things that I heard in the past few years, I think it might have been um, Maurice from Icebergs. He, you know, he said, doesn't taste like this at home. Um, and I keep telling people that all the time. Like, I love that sentiment that it doesn't taste like this at home. And it's, that's, that's, that's the point of restaurants is, you know, you, you bring people together. It's a meeting point, but it's also, you know, it's an event. I, I love just restaurants full stop. I love eating out. I do, <laughs> uh, to my, and my partner's detriment, financial detriment, we eat out a lot. <laughs> and that's, that's just what I love, you know, is the actual restaurant experience, not just cooking. Like I love cooking as well, but it's the whole, the whole thing. That's what I love. Well, Reese, congratulations on the new gig and very much look forward to seeing what you do um, as the year progresses with the gantry. Um, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Will do. Thanks, Anthony. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.